Hello, friend. Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, the Precept Ministries Canada podcast. Please note that all episodes in this Romans podcast series were pre-recorded prior to the conflict that is happening in southern Israel near Gaza. We continue to promote the 2024 Precept Holy Land Tour of Israel and Jordan, and booking is still open. Israel is always on the brink of conflict as they have many enemies surrounding them. Each time we go on these tours, we understand that we are entering a nation that depends on tourism to propel its economy, and we know that Israel's enemies are next door. We constantly monitor the Canadian travel advisories, keep in contact with our tour agents in Israel, and pray for wisdom in whether we should proceed with the trip. Please be assured we will not travel to Israel if it is not safe to do so. We press on in praying for peace in Israel in the land God gave them. We now continue in segment four, living, loving, serving in light of the truth. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, and this is another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast, a ministry of precept ministries in Canada. We're working our way through the book of Romans, and I'm so thankful that you are continuing to tune in with us. We are in segment number three, the final segment. Uh, We're looking at Romans chapter 12 this week and uh, looking forward to getting into this segment because there's a lot of practical in this final segment, Uh, chapters 12 to 16. But before we get into this week's episode, a reminder, if you are interested in joining Precept Ministries on the 2024 Israel Tour, that Israel Tour is taking place uh, April 3rd to the 15th, and uh, the travel days for that are April 2nd and April 16th, but you can join uh, myself and others in the Holy Land uh, studying God's Word together as we visit and walk the places that Jesus walked. And we're also going to visit Petra, uh, which is an amazing opportunity to see uh, the ancient city of Petra and do some hiking in and around there. So if you would like to do that, registration is now open. Uh, we are limiting our trip to one bus again this year. 45 spots available on that bus, and once that bus sells out, uh, you'll have to look for the next time we offer the Israel tour. Uh, Keep in mind also we have online training and we have in-person training, but we're also looking for some churches to host our training workshops into uh, the new year. And so if you would like to uh, bring precept training workshops to a church near you, uh, please reach out to us at training at preceptministries.ca and and we will uh, gladly respond and tell you what's all involved in doing training. And then the last thing that I want to share with you is, I shared this with you in the last episode, but we are looking for uh, some God at Work impact stories. Maybe God has been working in your life through this podcast, and we would love for you to share Uh, what this podcast has done for your life. Maybe it's helped you with the class that you're teaching. Maybe you've been challenged in the Word, but we would love you to share a story with us because we want to highlight the podcast in our year-end magazine that is coming out 
sometime in mid to late November. And you can send your testimonies into info at preceptministries.ca. Put in the subject heading podcast. And we would love to read those and share those stories with others because this podcast is reaching more and more people uh, each and every week. And people are finding it through Spotify and iTunes and SoundCloud and then, of course, directly on our website. And so we want to encourage you to share it on social media if you are uh, enjoying it as well. And we're looking forward to seeing how God continues to use uh, this tool Uh, throughout uh, Canada and into different parts of the world. So folks, let's commit our time to the Lord and uh, let's get right into it. Father, we do pray that as we uh, work through Romans chapter 12 today, that you would uh, open our hearts and minds to see uh, the truth of your word, that we would be blessed by your word, but not only that, we would be challenged. And Lord, we know in this final segment, there is a lot of information here that we need to unpack and that we need to to not only put into our minds but transfer to our hearts and lord we pray that our lives would be different as we study your word in jesus name we pray amen well folks uh romans chapter 12 before we even get into that i want to do some review with you uh because uh we're coming out of uh, a lot of doctrinal information in Romans 1 to 11. So the theme of this book is that the righteous shall live by faith. All right, that's found way back in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. But there are some problems, and these are the problems that are in the book of Romans that Paul is addressing that I want to highlight because they are so vital for us as we now get into the practical of chapter 12. And so the problems that arise in the book of Romans, Paul addresses them in chapter 16. And he starts in verses 17 and nine, 17 to 19 of chapter 16. I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions, uh, dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. So right here, he's telling us that there are people uh, in within the church, within the body, causing dissension. There are hindrances, and there is contrary teaching, so false teaching happening. And uh, we can only guess that this teaching, ar- it comes around the topic of salvation, because that's why Paul has written this letter. And so uh, he tells us in verse 18, such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites by their smooth and flattering speech. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. And so we've got some people here that are causing problems in the church, and then when you know that, when you know that that's the problem, you see why Paul uh, builds out this doctrine from the very beginning, that in chapter 1, that all are saved by faith through the gospel, and that uh, God has made himself evident from the very beginning, and that God uh, hates sin, and that God is going to judge sin. 
And there were two people groups that really were the focus of this uh, church, and the first was the antinomians. Uh, these people, they hated the law, and uh, they taught in their teaching that one didn't need to keep the law at all. In fact, if they continued to sin, and the more they sinned, the more that God's grace would be shown, and it would, their sinning would make God look good. And then there were the Jews. Well, we know all through the New Testament that the Jewish people pursued righteousness by works. And so their desire was that you would keep the law, and a part of their keeping the law, you would be saved. So it was gospel plus, and so righteousness by works. And then in Romans chapter 11, which we've come out of in the previous episode— uh, we see that Romans 11 ends with a key word, and that key word is mercy. It's used over and over, uh, verse 31. So these also now have been disobedient, that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience, so that he may show mercy to all. And then we had that great benediction that came out. And so uh, chapter 11 ends with God's mercy being extended to all, both Jew and to Gentile. And then in chapter 12, uh, before you have in 11, you have that amazing dedication, that, uh, that ben- um, ending, which is worship. Uh, the depth and the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, unfathomable are his ways. For from him and through him and to him all things, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And chapter 12. Chapter 12 picks up with a therefore. And of course, because if you are a precept student, you know that when you see a therefore, you ask what it is there for. And so that, therefore, is a term of conclusion, and it is concluding the first 11 chapters. And so when he says here in chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. And then you know, well, chapter 11 ended with mercies, but chapters 1 to 11 all teach about the mercies of God. It is God who shows mercy on those who he chooses to show mercy. God shows compassion on those who he chooses. Faith and salvation. uh, Salvation is not by works. You can't earn salvation. Salvation only comes by the mercy of God. And so uh, when we believe by faith... And so there's nothing that we can do, nothing at all. All of this comes from the mercy of God. And because we have seen in chapters 1 to 11, all of this about God's mercy, everything that God has done for us, there is in chapter 12, a part of this, therefore, there is a response that we are called to because of this mercy. And that's what we want to look at. And so uh, I've labeled that within my Bible, 
because of this mercy that has been extended to us, it's time for us to take things into action. There is something that the author, Paul, is calling us to do. And so this all comes back to uh, the rest of this conclusion in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So I want to look at this, and I think we're going to spend a little bit more time on these first two verses than we normally would within the podcast, but then we're going to do a quick look at the rest of chapter 12, move into chapter 13 uh, in our next episode, combine chapters 14 and 15, close uh, with 16, and then have an episode that brings it all together. But we want to focus here because in light of who we are in Jesus Christ, there are some important truths that need to come out of chapter 12, verse 1. And chapter 12, verse 1 is very interesting because there are a couple of ways to look at this first verse. And so we want to look at this verse uh, in light of what Paul wants us to understand. Because it is a therefore, it is not a new teaching. It is a conclusion statement that concludes 1 to 11. So he's not going to drop some new teaching for us in verse 1. He's summarizing, concluding what he's taught through 1 to 11. All right, so let's look at this. And the first thing I want to look at in chapter 12, verse 1 In the New American Standard, we have the word present. And so that word present, uh, if you were to look in other translations of the Bible, for example, the New International Version might be one you would look at. That word is the word offer. And so I want to read this uh, verse again to you in light of that word meaning Offer. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer your body as a living and holy sacrifice. All right, so uh, this is vital for us to know because this is taught two ways. And one way is that we keep dying, uh, we die daily uh, as a sacrifice. The other is to look at it as we die once. All right, so I want to look at this within that light first. I want to look at this in the light of this action of dying is a one-time sacrifice versus ongoing. And the reason we want to look at it this way first is I think that that is the most accurate interpretation of what Paul is telling us. And then you might be saying, well, I got to shut this off now because we do have to die daily. Well, 
I think it's twofold in the sense that verse one indicates we die once. And then let's hang on to that thought first, and then we'll look at verse two and what Paul tells us in verse two. So the word offer, all right? So Mark, tell me why you would say it's one time. Well, if I were to look at the word offer or present in the Greek, it's in the aorist tense, all right? That means that it is uh, being looked at as a one-time event, all right? And because that word is present in the aorist tense, it's one, a one-time action that takes place. And so uh, we'll compare that in a moment to some other scripture, but let's continue to bring out this entire verse. So, uh, therefore, by the mercies of God, offer your body as a living and holy sacrifice. So now let's look at the living part. And so what Paul is drawing off here is he's drawing off Old Testament thinking. In that, in Old Testament thinking, we would bring a sacrifice to the altar and that, that animal would be sacrificed on the altar, put to death uh, for atonement for sin. And so, in the sense that because of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on the cross, we no longer have to die ourselves. And so, we get to continue on living in our present body because of Christ's one-time sacrifice on the cross. And so we're going to present ourselves as a living versus a dead sacrifice. We're going to present ourselves, offer ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice. All right, so we're going to offer ourselves uh, we don't have to die because Jesus died. And because this is a holy sacrifice, the, the commitment that we are making is that we are going to separate ourselves from the world. All right, so we are going to offer once. We don't have to physically die. And as a part of that, we are going to separate ourselves from the world. All right. Remember, this is not new teaching. This is what Paul has been saying since the very beginning, that we were once sinners and sinners for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve the wrath of God for our sin. But because of the one, Jesus, uh, the free gift uh, for those who believe is eternal life. And that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. And then in Romans chapter 6, which we looked at, it feels like such a long time ago, we looked at the very fact that it's the question was in Romans 6, are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Well, may it never be. Or do you not know, he says in verse 3, 
that all have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death. If you remember back to our chapter 6 episode, we learned that when we die to self, or when we go through the act of baptism, the outward showing of an inward change, we have gone and we have confessed with our mouths that Jesus is master and Lord of our lives, that we have believed in our heart, that believing in our heart in what God, what Christ did on the cross uh, brings us to faith, that faith in the work of the cross justifies us before uh, God, and we're now in right relationship with him, and because we're in right relationship with him, we have peace. And that's what I think Paul is telling us here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. In light of everything that God has done in verses 1 to 11, your job, your job to take action now is to offer your life up and set yourself apart to be a living and holy sacrifice, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And we see from Romans chapter 6 that a life that is dedicated to Jesus Christ produces newness of life. Uh, he tells us here in verse six or verse five, uh, for if we've become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ that has been raised from the dead is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus." All right, so do you see what Paul's saying here? And, and a lot of people, even when we went through our Romans discussion, many people look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and they say, no, no, you've got to die on a regular basis, that you've got to die every day, that it's a continual sacrifice that you are making. But I think Paul, what he's saying here is the first step that you need to take is you need to take one step, which is offering up your body as a living and holy uh, sacrifice. And that means dedicating your entire life to Jesus Christ, that you lay your life down at the altar and you die to yourself. Now, the rest of Scripture backs that up. Jesus talks about how we are to pick up our cross and carry it. Paul has talked about over and over how we need to be, die to ourselves, that we need to crucify our old self, that we need to become new. And all of that comes to the very fact that we must lay down our life, confess that he is Lord and Master, 
that my will, my desire, my hopes, my life of sin has all been laid down at the cross, and that when I identify with Christ in death, and that when I identify with Christ in the resurrection, that I am raised in the newness of life. I, as Paul says in Corinthians, Corinthians is, I am a new creation. And, and that's the first step that he takes. And, you know, that therefore can, includes 9 to 11, which Paul's greatest desire was for the Jewish people to be saved that they would move away from the righteousness of works, uh, righteousness by works, but into salvation by faith. And so Paul's greatest desire in this, therefore, is that he wants you to lay down your life, that you would present your life as a sacrifice to God. Done away with your will and to take on the will of God for your life. Oh, but Mark, you tell me this. But the Bible also says here that we need to die daily. Absolutely, we need to die daily. But you need to see that verse 1, and if you take notes, write down in the margin of your Bible, write down in the margin of your, somewhere where you can write notes, verse 1 looks for a commitment it looks for you to be able to commit your life to Jesus Christ. But in verse 2, uh, the Greek verbs change. Uh, they change from a one-time action into a continuous, ongoing action. And that's where I think we see that a part of that one-time death, yes, we must continue to not die but put to death the old self. It, we have been raised in the newness of life, but we still have that flesh within us, and we need to put that to death. And as we put that to death, that's that process of sanctification. That is being conformed into the image of Christ. And listen to how Paul lays that out. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so there is a continuous action here, and that continuous action is that we need to be people who renew our minds. We need to continually renew our minds and be able to look at who we are in the new body, the new creation we have within our old self still. We're still in the flesh. We still have those desires of sin that creep up in our life, but we are to die to ourselves and we are to no longer uh, be conformed to the world. And so that's the next thing that he calls us to, is he calls us not to be conformed to the world. And I want to look at these two words really quickly and get us a better understanding. The word conformed means to basically be fashioned 
into another's pattern. All right, so if you think about the example that we looked at, uh, the clay and the potter, it is to be fashioned and molded into the shape of the world. And the world here refers to uh, the world's systems and practices, and those systems and practices are standards that do not include God. And so what is he challenging us to do here? He's challenging us to lay down our lives. He's challenging us to commit our lives to Jesus Christ, to confess that he is uh, Lord and master over our lives. And then he's calling us not to be conformed to the patterns of the world. Don't be conformed to a system that does not include God. And so a body that is presented to the Lord as a living and holy sacrifice is one that does not look like the world. It's a person that looks very much different to the world. This believer that does this, they're, do, they're to do this. They're to lay down their life and they're not to be conformed to the world because of the mercies of God that have been extended to them. And so do you see what he says? He goes, don't look like the world. Lay down your life. Make Jesus Lord and master over your life. Don't conform to the system of the world, the system that is so far from the teachings of God. But... He says, renew your mind. He says, be transformed. And so this is the next thing that he calls us to do. Transform the idea and the principle. I think we all can understand that just from the English language. I mean, I grew up uh, in the days when the Transformer toys first came out. It was absolutely amazing that you could take that toy and it was once a truck and then turn it into a robot. It became something that was totally different. And so that's the idea of being transformed. It is to be changed completely. And so uh, how does this happen? And so this starts with the renewing of our mind. And so we're not supposed to think the same way. And if you think about what Paul was teaching way back in chapter 6, he was teaching the very fact that we identified with Christ in death. We identified with Christ in the, his resurrection. We were raised into the newness of life. Uh, we have a new spirit within us, and we are to be different. We are to consider ourselves to be dead to sin. And the idea of consider ourselves to be dead to sin is, is not an optional consider, like I might say to my teenager, hey, I think you should uh, consider doing that. And they might respond to me and say, you know, nah, I'm not going to do that. This consider is an urging and it is an instruction for you to actually do it. Consider yourself. 
you, friend, one who has dedicated their life to the to their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are to think and know that you are dead to sin, that you no longer a are a slave to sin, but you are a slave to righteousness. And simply put, in in a practical way for us to understand that what we need to remember is that when that sin that we did when we were fleshly and we were not a part of the body of Christ, when it begins to creep into our life, we can look at that sin and we can say, you know what? You don't own me. You don't own me. I have been forgiven for that sin. I am free for, from it. It is no longer a master over me. I have the choice whether I want to commit that sin or say no to it because it doesn't rule my life anymore. And that's what he wants us to do in our thinking by the renewing of our minds. We've got to continually remind ourselves that I'm no longer a child of wrath, that I am a child of God, that I have been forgiven of my sins, that I am living for Christ, that I am to be daily transformed into his image, that now my main mission in life is not to pursue my own hopes, desires, wills, and plans, but it is my main mission to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That is my hope. That is my plan. That is my desire. And this is what he calls us to do. And so we've got to pause and we've got to think, stop and think for a moment because how does one renew their mind? How does one get transformed? How does one become completely changed from what they were before? And you see, this is why the Christian walk is so much more than making that initial commitment of raising your hand, walking an aisle, saying a prayer, laying down your life, it is the daily action that we need to take to become that transformer. Because you know what is so easy for us to happen? It's so easy for us to spend time in this world and become conformed to the world when our minds are filled with the teachings that are all around us. The entire world right now, and you can pick a topic Pick it, whatever you want. Whether it be something to do with any of the sexual sin that's being discussed in the world, whether it be whether it becomes different teachings of the world, whatever it may be, the entire world wants you to be conformed or forced or shaped into that pattern of thinking. That that pattern of thinking is the only way of thinking, and if you don't hold to that thinking, you are a phobic, whatever that phobic may be, happens when you don't conform to the teaching of the world. It's that you have some great fear. And I would like to think of it this way. A renewed mind is not fearful of what the world but a renewed mind has the fear of the Lord within them. 
that their reverence and love for God is greater than any other name that they could be called, any other thing that could happen into them to them in this world, anything beyond the cancel culture that we see, because I have a fear of the Lord and I have a reverence for the Lord. Why? Because he's my master. Because he's my Lord. Because I have laid down everything for him. And how do we do this? How do we have that mindset that we have not the fear of man, but we have the fear and reverence of God. Well, the first thing that we got to do is we've not only got to listen to podcasts like this, but we actually need to pick up within our hands the 66 books that we call the Bible, and we need to observe, and we need to interpret, and we need to apply them for ourselves. We can't solely hang on the teachers of this world to transform us. We've got to get into the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit uh, enlightens us and opens our eyes to see the truth of Scripture, that we can study it for ourselves. We can use methods like Precept has to teach you to better understand the Word of God, and you can do it for yourself. And when you get into the Word of God, I promise you this. That if you allow the word of God to work in your life and not just become head knowledge for you, that you allow it to sink into your heart, I promise you a 100% guarantee that you will be transformed. That you will be changed. That your thoughts will be changed. That your actions will be changed. And you will live in the light of the very fact that you have laid down your life for Jesus Christ. And I promise you, 100%, you will bear fruit. But folks, you've got to be in the Word of God. And the Word of God, to study it using observation, interpretation, and application, it takes work. It takes dedication. It takes discipline. But folks, the payoff, the payoff of doing that is a transformed life. The more that you are in God's word, the more you are conformed to his image. It's so vital for us to know this. You can also be transformed by studying the word of God with others and discussing scriptures. Imagine talking about scriptures as much as you talked about sports teams or the latest trends on social media. When you get into interactive conversation with others around God's word, those who may be more mature than you, working with those who are less mature, you're going to be changed. You're going to learn from each other. And then most importantly, you've got to apply. You've got to want to change in your thoughts and in your actions. It's so easy to be conformed to the world. It's so easy to backslide and just go into those practices because you know what? It's not as much work to conform to the world. I liken it to the very fact that if you've seen some of those nature videos and you've watched a salmon going upstream to lay its eggs, that's a lot of work. 
for the salmon to go against the current. And that's what the Christian needs to do. To be one who is transformed, you've got to go against the current of the world. You've got to go in the opposite direction. I heard from a, I read a scholar uh, this week in preparation for bringing this podcast to you. And he said, every Christian is either a conformer or a transformer. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 uh, says this, But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, uh, just as from the Lord uh, the Spirit. Uh, we have an unobstructed view we are being transformed into the image of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, uh, verse 18 says exactly what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Look at what he says as back to chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you... Uh, may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do these things fit together? First, we look at his will. God's will is good, it's acceptable, and it is perfect. So if I am one who presents my body as a living sacrifice, I lay down my life and make Jesus Lord and Master over my life, It should cause me to change the way that I think. I no longer work by the thoughts of the world, but I work by the way that God thinks. And when I begin to conform to the image of Christ and conform my thinking to the way that God thinks, I'll know God's will. I'll know God's will for my life. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that a part of God's will is for us to abstain from sexual immorality. The whole idea of being a part of God's will is that we are conformed into the image of Christ, that we become more Christ-like than we do that of the world. And we do that when we renew our minds We start to put the sins that we had in our life to death. We no longer want to serve them, but we want to serve and glorify the Lord. You see, everybody desires to know the will of God. And the will of God is simply this. The will of God for our lives is to live according to his word. It's for us to do what he says. And so this brings us to the end of those two verses. That's a lot of time spent on those two verses, but we need to understand that they are so vital for us because think about the problems that this church was facing. You've got one group of people that are so focused, they don't like the law, they want to keep on sinning so that grace may abound. You have another group of people that salvation is by works alone. 
and then you have Paul teaching that salvation is by faith. You need to lay down your life, and you need to give your entire life to God, and you need to change the way that you think. And the way that you think is this. Because the way that you think and you conform yourself to the way that God thinks and you're obedient to his word, the outflow of this becomes the rest of this chapter. The outflow of a transformed life starts in verse 3. He says, For through grace uh, given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. (laughs) You're all one, folks. You need to change your thinking. No no group is better than the other group. No person is better than the other person. You've all been allotted into the same body of Christ by faith. He says in verse 4, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportions of his faith, if service in his serving, if in he who teaches uh, in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I'm going to pause for a minute and, t- and just quickly advertise for you the very fact that verses 3 to 8 seem to indicate that there were a problem where there was some battling over spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts that they had learned about and been taught about, that some thought that they were better than others when it came to the gifts. But the reality is that in this podcast time, because we're almost to the end of our time, we don't have time to get into the whole discussion of spiritual gifts. But Precept has some phenomenal studies on spiritual gifts. A 40-minute Bible study called Understanding Spiritual Gifts and Spiritual Gifts Precept Upon Precept. But let me give you a couple of passages that you can look at uh, for yourself and uh, be able to study those and learn more about the spiritual gifts. All right, the first passage is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, talks about gifts, and it separates gifts into two types of gifts, a speaking gift and a serving gift. All right, so uh, from our list here in Romans chapter 12, prophecy, teaching, and exhortation would all be those speaking gifts. And then the second gift Peter indicates is serving gifts, And within chapter 12, uh, the serving gifts would be service itself, giving, and then showing mercy. The second passage that you can write down and look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 goes into much more detail on the spiritual gifts, and it lists out the spiritual gifts. But the important thing to understand in all of this is that each person is given an individual gift, and that each individual gift is given at salvation, and the purpose of that gift is for us to uh, use it to build up the body of Christ 
and for us to use it. And by using our gift, we glorify God. And so having these gifts, each one of us needs to use our gifts. We all have different gifts. We can't earn gifts. Every one of these gifts is given to us in verse 6, according to the grace of God. The same way that salvation was gifted to us by grace, these gifts have been given to us by grace. All right, so these things that when you study through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the other one is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, you're going to see in all of these passages, folks, that you cannot earn a spiritual gift. You can't earn the gift of eternal life, and you can't earn a spiritual gift. There's no course, there's no lesson, there's nothing you can do to earn a gift. Each gift is given individually by the grace of God, and God chooses that gift, and you're to use that gift that you have been given to build up the body of Christ and glorify him in your service. That's why they're there. Any teaching that comes outside of that is not of the Word of God. And I'll lay that down for you because if you study the understanding spiritual gifts and you understand and you study the precept upon precept spiritual gifts, you're going to see that. Why? Because that's what Scripture says. And that is repeated throughout Scripture. It's repeated in 1 Corinthians, it's repeated in 1 Peter. And it is repeated in Ephesians. All gifts are a gift of God. And so he says, because you've all been given individual gifts, don't think highly of yourself. You're all a part of one body at which Christ is the head. And so you all have a specific part to play in the body of Christ. And it's very important that you play your part in the body of Christ, because when you do, you glorify God. All right, now, he tells us that he's going to wrap up this chapter with a number of instructions, because you're using these gifts. Don't think highly of yourself. Remember, you're working together for the glory of God and the furthering of his kingdom on this earth. You're being conformed to the image of Christ. You want to look like Jesus. You want to live like Jesus. You want to speak like Jesus. And then he says, because of all these things, he goes, let love be without hypocrisy in verse 9 of chapter 12. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, and being devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Don't consider yourself to be greater than the other. Put your gifts into action. When you put your gifts into action and you build up the body, you'll love with good intentions. You won't be loving with hypocrisy. You won't be doing two separate and different things. Uh, hate what is evil. Don't continue to live in sin. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. People who 
want to elevate themselves above others are more devoted to themselves than they are to devote being devoted to others. Love each other. Be in brotherly love. Put, put others before yourself. Be diligent in doing that. Be diligent in serving the Lord because when you serve the Lord, you put the Lord first and a part of putting the Lord first is also loving others. He says that pay attention to what's going on with your brethren. Contribute together to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Verse 14, remember, don't put others above yourself, but be one body, be one member together. And he says, bless those who persecute you and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And then in verse 16, he brings it all together. And he says, be of the same mind to go toward one another. Do not be haughty, arrogant, proud in mind. But make yourself low. Humble yourself. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Be of the same mind. Think like God. Live like Christ. Be conformed. Be transformed. Because when you're transformed, you're not thinking like you used to. You're not elevating yourself above everybody else. You're not living within your own wisdom and your own understanding. You're not haughty and proud. You're humble. You put the needs of others first. You live like Jesus lived. He says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so as far as it depends on you, get along. Be at peace with one another. Never take revenge yourself. Leave room for the wrath of God. Let God take care of those who treat you wrong. Keep your eyes focused on being transformed and being conformed into the image of Christ. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For doing so, you will heap burning coals on your head. On his head, sorry. Well, that's an interesting verse, isn't it? Well, what is Paul telling us by using that Old Testament reference? Well, this reverse back to an old Egyptian custom in which a person who wanted to show public contrition carried out a pan of burning coals on his head. And this, these coals, they represented pain, shame, and guilt. When we extend our love to our enemies, it should bring shame 
it should bring them to the point of where they hate what they were doing. Paul points to the Proverbs in verse 20. He says, take that hate and just lavish them with love. And Lord willing, that brings them to shame and shame and wants them to change the way that they are behaving. In verse 21, he ends with, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Which, which leaves us to the end of our time together. Because what is Paul telling us here? He's telling us in the beginning of the chapter, he's telling us to lay down our life. A life dedicated to Christ. One that gives up everything of our own desires and begins to pursue the, the will of God, which is obedience. He calls us to be transformed and conformed to his image. And that when we are transformed into his image, when we are lay down our lives, we are a part of the family of God. And when we are a part of the family of God at salvation, we are given a spiritual gift. And each one of us is given a different spiritual gift, and we are to employ that spiritual gift for the building up of the body of Christ and for, to, for us to, in using our spiritual gift, glorify God. And because we are not being conformed to the world, but we are being conformed to the image of Christ, the result of a changed life is one that loves others. And specifically in this context of this scripture and within the book of Romans, those that are causing dissensions and they're battling over salvation points and there's false teachers teaching wrong things and hey, you're not saved because you're not keeping the law and another person going, you know what? We hate the law. We believe that we should sin more so that grace may abound and battles that come between them. Paul says, no, 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 lay down your life. You got to lay down both those thinkings and you got to be renewed you got to renew your mind that you are now a child of God, that you are dead to sin, that you are daily putting sin to death, that you are now a part of the family of God, that salvation is by faith and faith alone, and that when we believe in Jesus, we are saved from the wrath of God. And because of that, the outflow of the mercies of God that have been extended to us is a greater love for God. And the more we are conformed to the image of Christ, the more love flows out of us. And the more love that flows out of us, it puts the needs of others before our own. It makes our hearts desire to pursue good and do away with evil. It makes our hearts desire to be a part of the work of the kingdom of God by presenting the gospel to others so that they can be transformed. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're living in a world that is filled with evil. Everywhere we turn, we see bad things happening. We see bad teaching 
going on. We see people living in sin. And we need to overcome that with love. We need to love others. The two greatest commandments Jesus laid out for us in the Gospel of Matthew. Love God and love others. A life dedicated to Jesus is a life transformed. Are you being transformed and conformed into the image of Christ? Are you seeing change in your life? Are you bearing fruit in your life? Are you putting to death sin? How are you treating others in the world? What is your mindset to those that you see around you? Love. Overcome evil with good. Father, we do thank you for all that we have seen in Romans chapter 12. And Lord, we we pause now and we, we ask that your Holy Spirit work. That he would work in our hearts right in this very moment as we wrap up this podcast. That you would speak clearly to us about what you see in our heart. Father, I think about David in Psalm 19 when he prays, Show me, Lord, the sins that I have and I don't know about. Lord, show me the sins that I know are wrong and I still continue to commit those sins. And Lord, show me those sins that rule over my life. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that he would bring us to the point of conviction and want us to be changed. That you would point us to the things that we need to put to death. That, Father, if we don't have a hunger to study your word, that we would have a greater hunger because that is the way that we are transformed. When we study your word and we become obedient to it, change our hearts, God. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website, presetministries.ca, to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.